Welcome to the Insurance Post podcast. I'm Emran Hughes, editor of Insurance Post, and today I'm joined by Valang's UK's Neil Lum, Alliance Commercial's Jonathan Moyes, and Claims Consortium Group's Rob Chilcott to talk about whether insurers are ready for the Great Resignation. Today on the Insurance Post podcast, I'm joined by Neil Lum, Group Sales and Marketing Director at Broker Valang UK, Jonathan Moyes, People Director for Alliance Commercial, and Rob Chilcott, Learning and Development Manager for the Claims Consortium Group. They're going to share their expertise on attracting and retaining talent in insurance. Hi, Neil, Jonathan and Rob. Welcome to the Insurance Post podcast. Morning, Emma. Hi, Emma. So, um, based on my LinkedIn feed, which I look at regularly, I feel that the Great Resignation has definitely continued into 2023. Would you agree, Neil? Have you seen it continuing? Yeah, I absolutely would. Um, We saw a lot of this in 22, far more than we've ever seen uh, in our own particular business. Um, the ability now to attract and retain talent in particular is is probably the greatest challenge we have as a business right now. Rob, would you say it's continuing into 2023? I think it will continue for quite a long time, to be honest. But um, whether everything has to have a name these days or whether the great resignation becomes the new normal, let's say, um, for a period of time, I think it will be there'll be this much movement and fluidity in the marketplace for, jo- for a fair time. Jonathan, seeing a lot of movement in the market at the moment? More than we have done before the pandemic, but actually we, based on our data, the last four months of 2022, we've seen it tail off. So the peak for us was in August and we've seen it reduce month by month since then. So we feel we're past the peak, but it's still much higher than we used to. So um, Jonathan, how has the great resignation turned insurance? Would you say it's in turned insurance into an employee's market? I think more so than it has been, for sure. I think it's made insurers be more proactive in terms of what they're trying to do in terms of retaining talent and uh, attracting talent in. Um, and I think insurers have had to think more more carefully about how they go about that in terms of it's not just about pay, but it's about the full proposition that you offer. It's about the culture and values of that business and really getting that message out to prospective candidates and looking at what you can do to retain those people you've got already. Rob, would you agree it's much more the balls in the employees' court these days? Yeah, and the same for every sector. With employment at the level that's at the lowest level for forty years, um, it's going to be an employees' market in every sector. Insurance is being particularly hit for lots of other reasons um, behind that as well. Neil, I'm probably a different place on the scale. Um, I definitely think the pendulum has swung more towards the employee, but I think if you're a great employer with a great value proposition and a great business, you still have a lot of bargaining power in that equation with people coming into your business. Mm, definitely. I mean. Uh- which Jonathan kind of touched on in terms of some of the things that employers are doing to kind of attract and retain talent in the current market. Um, Neil, what employment trends are you seeing in the market? I think it's a big generalisation. People now are wanting to take and have far more control over their careers. So salary, in my experience, doesn't tend to be the one and only driver in someone wanting to make a move. Um, what we see when we've got people uh, interviewing for positions with us is that they are, they're interested in uh, what their career pathway looks like. They're looking about support and development opportunities. Uh, they're wanting to know how their salary may progress over time. And they're more and more interested in the culture of the business and how that resonates with their own personal values. And I think all those in combination uh, are a big factor now. 
Jonathan, would you agree? Is that a trend much more interesting culture now? Yeah, I do agree. I do agree. I think in addition, I think it's about flexibility in how you work and where you work as well. That's what we're seeing as one of the key drivers for not just retaining our people, where we've kind of rolled out a hybrid model at the beginning of last year, um, but also where we're trying to attract people. That's one of the first questions they ask is actually, is, is it flexible in terms of you know how I work and where I work? Um, and not just about kind of presenteeism, is it about outcomes and, uh, and job performance really? Rob, would you agree? Is it looking for greater flexibility? Is that kind of one of the key employment trends? It is. We're also getting as many questions about things like sustainability and diversity, um, which to touch back on what Neil said, in terms of people's beliefs, they're looking for a company that can give more than just their job role. So companies have to think on a much more lateral scale in terms of not just what I can give you and your pathway, your development, your progression, but also what I can give back to your community around you and, and, and the wider audience. I mean, one of the kind of key things in terms of conveying a culture of an organisation, or increasingly it seems to me, is social media, contacts, recruitment agencies. What role do those play in the current insurance job market, Rob? Do you, is, is it... Are you using social media to kind of convey the culture of your organisation? Oh, massively. And, and social media, it's a its a snapshot window that you can essentially choose what people see, but you can't lie about it. It tells you quite a lot about your company's culture because over days, weeks, months and years, if you're consistently posting things, whether events you're holding, things you're doing in the office, your values, your beliefs, it, it is you. It's not just what you can tell somebody in an interview. They'll get more from the social media feed than they probably will from face-to-face in an interview. Would you agree, Jonathan? Are people looking perhaps to what your current employees are saying when they're con- contemplating joining? Definitely. And, and we're trying to encourage our managers to, to be able to use LinkedIn, for example, better, um, both for posting roles, but also for creating that kind of image of, of the company. Um, and we use tools like Amplify for our managers to get the message out. Um, but it's still kind of work in progress. But that's what we're trying to do is create that followership. So we have a pipeline of people wanting to come and join Allianz. Yeah. Is there still a role, role for recruitment agencies? How, how does it balance out in 2023? I mean, from a cost perspective clearly it's better to go direct and that's our after the first choice but we do work with um, a, a good degree of recruiters and it's all about having those relationships so they really understand your business and can get that over to the candidate um, and be an extension of you really. Neil what, what do you do in terms of a mix of social media recruitment agencies etc to yeah, so, so we, do, we do two things, um, and I think both agencies and social media are, as, as, as the guy say, really important, if used properly. So when it comes to agencies, we, we work nationally with two, that's all, and we invest a lot of time with them in long-term partnerships um, to get over, and so they fully understand what our business is about, the type of people we want, um, and what is important to those people. You know, lots of businesses will have the, the experience of candidates coming through the door from recruiters who, who are just not fit for the purpose. So we spend a lot of time doing that. Um, more important to us, uh, and something we invest a lot of time in our business, is each of the managers spending time every month developing a longer-term pipeline. Social media is a great format for doing that, for reaching out, making connections, but then following up with those connections and building relationships, even though there might not be a role available at that particular time. That works really well for us. I mean, I've read so many reports over the years in terms of there being a talent shortage in um, the insurance industry. Would you agree that that is the case? And do you think, as we've touched on, social media is a way of perhaps... Um, think encouraging talent that perhaps would not have thought about insurance to kind of look at this industry as somewhere where they could develop a career. So do I think there's a talent shortage? Yes. Um, but when you, when you look at why that is, it's because lots and lots of businesses do not invest the required amount of time training people. 
It's as simple as that. We're, we're all looking for the ready fix, the you know, the key striker that can come in and be effective from day one. That that just doesn't happen, you know. So a lot of employers need to get back in investing in in their training and talent pipeline um, facilities. Jonathan, would you agree with that? Yeah, I think so. But I think that's true of a lot of industries as well. But I think insurance does suffer a little bit from the kind of pale male stale tag, um, which I think is a little bit unfair now. But but probably, you know, on balance, looking at other industries, we've got work to do in terms of our diversity and inclusion. I know we're not alone in, in Alliance in terms of looking at that. And we've set quite you know hard targets for us to reach by the end of 2024. And I think it's getting that image out there and, and, and allowing our people who have come from a more eth- ethnical background to tell the story about how it is to work within a company. Because if we can't tell that story, I think it's for them to tell that story and, and hopefully that message gets through. So do you feel across the UK, the talent is there? It's just getting people perhaps who are currently looking at other industries to look at this industry and realise that this is somewhere that there is a role for them? Yeah, we've we've certainly seen in, in the kind of great resignation period that people within insurance are quite happy to jump sectors. But actually, it's, it's harder, I think, for people to jump into insurance because they still have that kind of perception that it's not not for them but I, I mean what I would say is that I've been with Alliance for five years um, I've never seen so much change and um, excitement in terms of what we've got on in our agenda it's it's you know if you want to come and join uh, an industry that is going through so much change and insurance really is an exciting place to be. Rob would you agree with that? Uh, totally I, I don't know how many young people are walking around education establishments thinking if I get the right exam results everything goes my way one day I'll get to work in insurance I don't know if that's really happening um, but it's a it's a it's an industry that gives you a good career. It's an industry that gives you a lot of stability and security. And I think, what to touch on what the guy said, I think we're going to start seeing some of... The, I don't think there's massive talent at the entry-level um, grades. I think it's deeper into the insurance world. And I think we're going to start seeing the average age of maybe lost adjusters or insurance brokers coming down quite a lot as we look to accelerate talent because insur- insurers have to accelerate talent faster. Um, you can't wait 30 or 40 years to get to a role that traditionally... Insurance has always seen that tenure gives you experience and tenure experience gives you knowledge. It's not quite that direct science. So I think they're going to have to react and push people faster. In terms of the talent shortage, do you think the Great Resignation has presented an opportunity for insurance? Because you've got a lot of people who perhaps have had a career in one area that may now consider, you know, are looking for alternative options. So do you think it may help? the talent shortage that there is in the industry? Massively, because if it forced you to look for other things in terms of, are you looking for emotional intelligence, are you looking for awareness, are you looking for skill set that can be brought from other sectors? Yes, you might have insurance knowledge, but if you can't relate that to a customer, to a policyholder, or internally in a company, then you might be missing a trick. So it's, it's going to force the industry to look sideways and actually rethink what was a model that's been used for a long, long time, um, but it just needs to be adjusted slightly. Would you agree with that, Jonathan? Is it, has it cast the net wider for people perhaps who are looking at that second career? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think it works both ways. I think, you know, for us as a, as a company, we've we've tended to fish in the same pools for some time and, and look at people with an insurance background. Um, and in the Great Resignation, you know, that, that just wasn't possible to get the number of people in through the door that we needed to. And so we've needed to look at different pools. You know, pricing, for instance, is a really good example where it's not necessary that you have insurance experience to be a great pricing expert. Um, you know, we, we're pulling people in from the airline industry, etc. We're looking at different uh, industries. So absolutely, I think it's opened up more of a, a kind of wide playing field for, for employees. There's definitely seems to be a massive appetite in insurance to, to look at ways to kind of attract, retain and develop um, top quality talent. Um, Neil, can you share a little bit about what you're doing in terms of doing that within your own organisation? Yeah, I can. And, and there's really distinct strategies for each element of um, recruit, reward, retain. 
you know, certainly at the recruit stage, it's, it's really forced us to up our game in terms of being able to tell our story in the market, to position ourselves as an employer of choice, and to have some really, really tangible examples for candidates coming through the door of how we'll deliver on these promises we say. So it really has forced us to spend a lot more time thinking about that. Um, in terms of the uh, retain and reward elements, we've had to have a, a, a proper ground-up look at our whole employee value proposition. Everything from uh, salary progression, career progression, uh, support and training, um, professional exams, um, everything like that. It's, it's all gone up in the air and it, and it changed again in the COVID era when we needed to then uh, get to hybrid working and how technology would support that. Uh, and then all the health and well-being stuff that's now emerging on the back of everyone working at home for two years. Um, so so we've, had to, we've had to look at ourselves long and hard and change an awful lot of everything we previously thought was important to employees. It has changed. Mm, long, hard looks, I think, among many companies across the industry. Jonathan, what are you finding that's working? So we um, took the opportunity uh, a couple of years ago now to look at the moments that matter. So from, you know, the initial attraction stage to making sure that candidate joins you through to building their capability um, and then completing their experience onto if unfortunately they leave, then a, a form farewell. Um, and, and that's really helped us focus on those on those key moments and deliver our HR priorities around around those key moments. So. We're starting to look at how we measure that now as well and how we feed that into our leaders' priorities. Um, and we've got a people dashboard being launched this year um, and that will help us measure where we're seeing really good uh, examples of that and we've we're perhaps got work to do as well. And it's, and part of that, is, as you touched on there, it's not just where you start, is it, in terms of talent, it's where you finish as well. So very much thinking about that entire journey and making sure that, you know, that sometimes you're... Best advocates are people who leave the organisation and talk about what they gained from while they were there. Yeah, absolutely. We're, we're, we're looking to set up an alumni um, so we can keep track of those people that have left because the, you know, the majority of people that leave are people we'd want to see come back. And it's great if they go away, get some different experience and bring that experience back in because that creates the sort of diversity and inclusion kind of perspective that you have around thoughts um, and uh, the innovation that we're perhaps lacking a little bit in the insurance industry. Rob, what, what, um, what attraction, retention and um, development strategies are you finding working for you at the moment? Investing more time in, in the human beings um, in terms of physical health, financial health, mental health. Um, how can we support them? Can we support them not just in career goals, but in life goals? You know, what's important to them when they're not with us, when, when they're at home in the weekends? What's important? And how can, we, how can we help you on that? Whether it's a balanced way of working, whether it's um, what we can do to support them beyond just salary, but also benefits and things that we can help because everyone's being pinched quite tight at the moment in terms of what's in what's in their pockets. So um, how what we can do to help beyond just give people maybe more money, but um, how we can help them live um, in a in a way that's going to help them quite a lot. And then things like the we've recently launched um, an adjuster academy where we're looking to grow our own adjusters um, and we'll do it at a pace that suits the individual the talent in there um, and we're very hopeful we can drop the drop this average age and get more fresh young talent into that into that market and that work life balance is so important as well in this day and age um, however you also touched on the salary word which is very much with strikes and um, pay disputes in other industries and um, widespread at the moment what would you advise um, anybody working in insurance who's currently sat in their current job, sick and tired, wanting a pay increase? What should they be doing? Is it a conversation with the um, their current employer or do, do they start looking around? Because, I mean, that's very much been the driver of the great resignation. People 
dissatisfied just look assuming jump jumping ships to greener pastures what would you recommend neil to someone who's sitting there today thinking i want more money what should i do yeah there's probably three key things for me so number one be absolutely clear about what the issue is in your own mind i said earlier in my experience salary does not tend to be the only driver it tends to be salary relative to how you feel about the culture, how you feel about the workload, how you feel about your personal prospects. So be very clear about what the issue is. Secondly, I would always start by having a conversation with the, with your current employer. Um, if they are aware about it, there's often things that can be done about it. And then you explore that first. That, that, that for me is always the most sensible. And then thirdly, if you're not going to get the resolution you want, be very clear about the questions you want to ask any prospective employers. Um, with the increased power that employees have in this equation right now, um, it's important that they get examples of how the current how the new employer is going to deliver on those promises. You know, what will it look like and smell like and feel like to work for this organisation? And take time in the interview process, see if you can meet people who already work there, not just the HR person or the hiring manager. See if you can spend time talking to their team and see if they're saying the same story here in interview. Such an good advice, Neil. You don't want to jump ship and find that the ship that you're jumping to is not a better ship, basically. Exactly. Jonathan, what advice would you give to people feeling sick and tired? Yeah, I think it's similar to Neil. I mean, I think the the first thing I would say is if you're happy where you are and you don't want to leave, then absolutely sit down with your manager. Have a make sure you've got a good PDP um, that you go through together. Make sure that you have that kind of career coaching conversation. Um, look at the opportunities that are available within the organisation you work in, um, and then with your manager, look at how you might be able to get there. I think you know a lot of people perhaps aren't aware of the opportunities an organisation can provide. Actually, by you know speaking to people, establishing your internal network, etc., then you know that can help get you there. And, and looking for a mentor perhaps that can help open some doors. All those kind of things are really positive. Um, but ultimately, I think salary is a hygiene factor, and, and you know you either make a choice to accept what you've got or or you know if unfortunately you decide that it's not not enough for you then you've got to make that decision to go if there's no opportunity to progress where you are mm, t- t- difficult choice to make yeah. for many rob what would you advise the individual sitting there sick and tired right now it, it starts with reflection and it probably ends with a conversation and then action off the back of that depends on how the first you went i've i've worked with so many people who've moved roles and ended up with the same issues they had in the new role or the new company as they always had before. They just hadn't identified what it was before that was actually making them sick and tired. One of the, when you mentioned trends earlier, there's a huge trend in the marketplace of someone choosing to leave a company and the company then offering them more, more money and they'll stay, um, but they're normally gone within 12 months because it wasn't money. It wasn't money with the driver. Um, businesses have obviously got to be careful in terms of does the great resignation turn into the great redundancy if companies start living beyond their means? If you squeeze a balloon in one place, you'll see the effect somewhere else. So there's, there has to be a very adult conversation around what value an, an employee can demonstrate and where their career is going, and then some level of being able to sit with it and, and relax with it as hard as it is in the current market, in the current climate, to relax with it and say, I can get there and there is a pathway. Is it as fast as I want it to be? That's something they need to come to terms with. But understanding why you're sick and tired um, and I agree with Neil, and um, I don't. I don't think it's always money as a driver. No, it's, it's but it is difficult. It's it's I suppose as an employer, it's making sure that you're aiding that self-reflection to get to the point of understanding what your frustrations are, and can you continue to can you work on them in your current place of employment? And that comes back to when we, when we talk around the sort of the human factors. It, that in itself is a life skill. 
and employers and companies have got an opportunity or maybe an obligation to help their people get better at life skills that they may not have. Um, society has changed quite a lot in the last 30, 40 years and the mindsets of generations in the past is just not there in the current mindset. Can I be optimistic? Can I be? Can I take action? Can I sit and recognise and reflect on my own feelings? It might not be there. That's emotional intelligence, which has nothing to do with insurance, but are we helping our employees get better at that? And as Neil touched on, it's also the conversations that you're having. So if you've come to the decision, um, having made that self-reflection that a greener pastures elsewhere may be the place for you, what questions do you ask, Neil, to make sure that the pastures are greener? You are jumping to a better ship that fits with where you want to get to. I I think there's a number of questions you ask, and they're all very much governed by what is personally important to you. Yeah, different people have different drivers. And so it's important that you have questions that re- reflect that. But the, uh, for me, there's really, really good early signs about the consistency of message. So asking questions such as, describe the culture of this organisation and let's see if someone can give you a straight answer. Talk me through what my induction period would look like. Help me understand what would be required in this role. Have, you, have they provided you with a role profile? that you can dig into and understand what are the support and development mechanisms that come with helping you be effective as quickly as possible. I think if you get good, consistent answers to those questions, you're probably off on the right sort of foot. Yeah. If they're sat there babbling at you, you might want to think again. Yeah, Jonathan, would you agree? Babbling is never a good sign. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try not to do that. Um, yeah. No, absolutely. I agree with, agree with Neil. I think they're really good questions. Um, to ask you know sometimes you might not get an honest answer um but you know ask the questions and then make a judgment but i think the other thing i'd recommend doing is as you get in the later stages of of a recruitment process is ask to speak to some of the team that you might be joining because you then get a bit more of a balanced view i think um and certainly we've had recent recruitment um and um a couple of us joined to speak to the final two candidates um and we gave an honest impression of what it was like to um to come and work for alliance and Fortunately, um, they both wanted to work for Alliance, so um, we didn't do a bad job, but um, I'd definitely recommend that. And is that increasingly becoming the norm? Because, I mean, if you think of over the last 20 years, kind of like the recruitment process at companies has changed so dramatically. You know, are you as Alliance expecting more interrogation in terms of questions being asked the other way to make sure the fit's right? absolutely. And I've been working now for 24 years and and it's definitely changed I think you're getting better questions from the candidates and questions that actually the interviewer has to think about more which is great because that's the way you get a two-way conversation and a two-way decision as well so I think you know interviewers need to be ready for those questions I think some of our managers perhaps sometimes still struggle a little bit with that but we're you know obviously coaching them through that but yeah absolutely Rob, what questions would you recommend they ask to make sure it's the right fit? Totally agree with these guys. In terms of what the what you can expect from a new employer, um, that's obviously key. I would also go personally one stage further and look at, as a company, what's your biggest challenge, what's your biggest opportunity, and how do you see the next two years going? I mean, in the last few months, we've seen industries and sectors that probably were considered to be a fairly safe bet come under some pressure um, and actions have been taken in those industries so you look and say what sector would I want to jump into right now and can it has, has this business got a plan to navigate it or are they assuming their sales are going to carry on or the business will carry on the way it is and if it doesn't because everything's being squeezed right now what actually happens um, and if a company does go into the situation where unfortunately they have to make a change or of a structure am I going to be at most risk because I was last in so I think those questions are also in terms of 
some stability otherwise you could end up moving for the right reason to the right company but then it not playing out the right way because there, there wasn't a plan there from a business point so yeah yourself and then i would i personally would push a little bit more on the business as well wise words rob no no point jumping to another ship if it's only going to sail a few more um, feet down the river quite frankly right. so. um fantastic thank you so much for joining me today um that brings us to the end of this episode of the insurance post podcast i'd like to thank neil jonathan and rob for joining us and sharing their insight on the insurance job market in the current climate as always also thanks to you for listening to the insurance post podcast if you enjoy our show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and make sure you never miss another episode by subscribing to Insurance Post and following us on Facebook, LinkedIn and Twitter. Make sure you come back next week for a discussion on supercharging the take-up of cyber insurance. Until then, this is Emran Hughes signing off. The Insurance Post podcast is a product of InfoPro Digital. <laughs>